With all the current parenting trends, are you torn about whether or not to discipline your children? Do you desire to do all that God has called you to do for raising your kids, but aren't really sure how or why discipline plays a part? Well, then we are so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. If you enjoy this podcast and are interested in Ginger's resources on biblical parenting, we would love for you to purchase those through Ginger's website. We know that ordering through other retailers is quick and easy, but when you order directly from us at gingerhubbard.com, we receive the bulk of that revenue, which helps support our ministry and this podcast. And be sure to stay tuned until the end of this episode to receive a discount code on your purchase. Thank you so much, listeners, for your support. Whether you're purchasing Ginger's resources at gingerhubber.com or making monthly or one-time donations, your support truly enables us to further our mission to help parents reach the hearts of their children for the glory of God. Long before my husband and I had kids of our own, I knew I wanted to be a homeschooling mom. But when my oldest was ready to start kindergarten, I had just had our third child, who we affectionately referred to as the baby monster. Homeschooling didn't seem possible with a kindergartner, a toddler, and a baby monster. I was so thankful that a friend introduced me to BJU Press. Their all-in-one curriculum resources gave me the confidence to homeschool at a time when it didn't seem possible. Their video lessons that, by the way, are engaging and taught by experienced teachers Those videos were a time and a sanity saver for me. Best of all, their K-5 through grade 12 all-in-one curriculum options are rooted in a solid biblical worldview. To learn more about BJU Press, go to bjupresshomeschool.com and see what they have to offer. You'll find their parent-led resources as well as independent learning materials at bjupresshomeschool.com and tell them the baby monster sent you. Hey, Ginger. Well, last week we encouraged parents to heed God's command to lovingly and carefully discipline our children instead of being deceived by worldly philosophies. One current popular parenting philosophy encourages parents to not discipline their children at all. So it seemed really important to both of us to talk about the specific reasons why God commands parents to discipline their children. That's right, Katie, because many parents today... Well, they're just not fond of disciplining their children. And by that, I mean the administering of consequences when their children disobey and act foolishly. And really, I can't blame them. I was never fond of it myself because the bottom line is that it's not a pleasant experience for the parent or the child. But when we understand God's perfect plan for families and the reasons why he has called us to discipline our children, we begin to grasp why discipline is ultimately in the best interest of our kids. Now, before we talk about four reasons God has called parents to discipline their children, I do want to say right out of the gate that consequences are only a small part of child training. There are several components for raising children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, such as teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, and the proper use of age-appropriate consequences. 
So as we work through this episode, specifically on why God has called us to discipline our children, we need to keep in mind that God has given us a balanced approach for raising them up in the way they should go. It's not all about consequences. It's about helping our children understand the outward display of bad behavior is the result of an inward heart problem with sin, and that Mm -hmm. Jesus is the only cure for that problem. This is why God has not called us to merely punish our our children for wrong behavior, but to point them to righteousness that can only be found in Christ. That's right, Ginger. And that involves training and instruction and correction and physical discipline. They're all necessary to discipline the biblical way. But that's the part I think some of these current parenting trends get so wrong. Many of them focus, I mean, even so far as to ignore the physical part of it altogether, but then they go on to say, positive reinforcement, that's what we're going to do at the expense of what the Bible calls rebuke. But as you said, Ginger, the true biblical view of discipline is far more well-rounded than that. So our goal today is to explain why we should, as Christian parents, use all the means that God has commanded us to use if we want to discipline our children in the way that honors Him best. That's right. And that's why we don't want to get hung up on just the consequences. Now, don't get me wrong. Consequences for wrong behavior have their place, but they are not a substitute for training and instructing. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, Ephesians 6, 4 makes it clear that if we do not follow through with training and instructing, we will exasperate our children. That verse says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And really, if you think about it, That makes total sense because administering consequences without following through with righteous training, that really only teaches kids one thing, that there are consequences for sin. And yeah, that's an important lesson. But an even greater lesson is to help them understand that higher calling of living in ways that are pleasing to God and bring Him the glory He deserves. Our goal for disciplining our children is not merely to teach them to avoid consequences, but to train and instruct and encourage them to honor God with their lives. That's why Katie and I are always so cautious about focusing too much on consequences, because we don't want parents to get hung up on just the physical act of discipline. Our primary purpose in disciplining our children is to help them understand that their sinful behaviors stem from their sinful hearts and to point them to Jesus for forgiveness and redemption and change. But because so many of our listener questions are in regards to parents who are reluctant and hesitant and even afraid to discipline their children, we do like to address this topic head on from time to time to remind parents that disciplining children is not a suggestion in the Word of God. It's a command, regardless of the ever-changing anti-biblical and deceptive counsel of this world, and Mm. regardless of our personal feelings and opinions about it. Exactly. Okay, so let's jump right in. Ginger, you mentioned that you have four reasons why the Bible instructs parents to discipline their children. What's number one? Biblical discipline demonstrates faithfulness to God. Parents who place their confidence in the wisdom of God understand the relationship between discipline and obedience. To heed God's commands to discipline our children is to fully rely on His wisdom and to faithfully trust in His counsel. Discipline is part of God's ordained method for driving foolishness out of the hearts of our children. As we're told in Proverbs twenty-two fifteen, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. This verse also clearly defines what our motive should be for disciplining our children. 
It's not to get revenge for embarrassing or irritating us or to just get them to outwardly comply, but to drive out the foolishness that is bound up in their hearts. Ginger, I have a sneaking suspicion that parents who shudder at the idea of disciplining their children might have a hard time with obedience to God's word themselves. Otherwise, I can't really wrap my mind around why a man or a woman who reads the Bible faithfully and believes that it is the inspired word of God would decide that they prefer a gentler or a kinder method of child rearing. You can't see me, listeners, but I'm using air quotes around kinder and gentler because I think many parents who avoid discipline believe that's just what they're doing. But with all due respect to these parents, my question is this, are you kinder and gentler than God himself? Are your ways more loving than his ways? Mm. And you'd say, of course not. Well, then you have to trust and believe that God knows what he's doing. He has graciously given us a handbook for how to train our children in righteousness, and we are wise to follow it fully, even the parts that make us squeamish or doubtful. Mm -hmm. Now, here's my attempt at an analogy because I'm feeling particularly hungry for my grandmother's peanut butter fudge lately. But imagine I pull out my late grandmother's peanut butter fudge recipe card. On that card, she has skillfully written in her beautiful cursive handwriting, which sadly, most Gen Z children will never be able to read. Uh, But imagine that I scan over her recipe a time or two, but then I decide, you know what, Gma, I have a better way. Forget all her decades of experience, all the years I benefited from her fudge-making expertise. I don't care for all that tedious stirring and the candy thermometer, all that. You know, nobody has time to figure out hardball or softball stage anymore. That is so 1950. And you can forget, <laughs> gender, the saturated, fat-filled, heavy cream. It's not happening. We know better than that now. Instead, I'm going to use cashew milk and sun butter because I believe my approach is kinder and gentler to my digestive system. And <laughs> while that, well, that might actually be true. Actually, <laughs> but I won't be making anything that even comes close to resembling my grandmother's peanut butter fudge. I'll make something, but it won't be the delicious fudge that my grandmother intended. It would be a different thing entirely. God has given us explicit instructions in his word, and we ignore them or alter his perfect design at our own peril and at our children's peril. Mm -hmm. That's a great analogy, Katie, but now I'm hungry. I know. My mom needs to make us both some. (laughs) Yes. Can we put in that request? I hope if you're listening, we're going to put in that request. Precious, we would like some (laughs) peanut butter fudge. Please, Precious. It sounds so yummy. My mom's grandmother name is Precious, and we're all required to call her that. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay, so the first reason we discipline our children is because it demonstrates our faithfulness to God when we do so. That's right, which brings us to the second reason, which is that biblical discipline demonstrates faithfulness to children. Parents who refuse to discipline their children are doing their children a spiritual injustice. We're told in Proverbs chapter 23, verses 13 and 14, that to not discipline demonstrates unfaithfulness to the very souls of our children. Those Mm -hmm. verses say, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with a rod, he will not die. Punish him with a rod and save his soul from death. Mm. Now, just to clarify, this does not mean that the more you discipline, the more likely it is that your child will go to heaven. Your Mm -hmm. child's salvation is a matter that can only be settled between them and God. But what discipline does do is it helps bring them to compliance and to a point where they are more likely or more ready to receive the Word of God. Oh, exactly right, Ginger. And it works the same with us as well. God disciplines us, even adults who are filled with the Holy Spirit, 
in order to bring us to a place of humility and repentance. He continues to work on those parts of our hearts that are rebellious by nature, and he will do so for the remainder of our lives. That is the process of sanctification. Mm-hmm. Hebrews 12, 5 through 6 says this, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Chastisement or reproof is a part of God's discipline. Thankfully, it's not all of it, and ours shouldn't be either with our children, but it does have a role in our sanctification. A bit later in chapter 12, now this is verses 8 through 10, the author of Hebrews says this, If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he, meaning God, disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. So children who are left without discipline are described as illegitimate children. My Bible footnotes say that in Roman times, only the legitimate children were disciplined. Illegitimate children were essentially left to their own devices. They were financially supported, but spiritually neglected. And I find that really interesting. And it aligns with the ways in which God deals with unrighteous people throughout the Bible. We see time and time again that he gives them up or gives them over. This isn't a picture of harsh discipline. Rather, this is a picture of God's removal of his restraint, removal Mm. of his discipline. He removes his discipline and allows them to pursue all manner of ungodliness until the time comes for them to stand in final judgment. That is a terrifying thought. And one I hope our listeners will consider if they're tempted to believe that godly discipline should be all just positive reinforcement or only described as gentle, meaning without any rebuke of sin, this simply isn't biblical. If we discipline our children the way God commands us to in his word, then we have to believe that there will be pain. And the pain our children experience, I'm talking about physical and emotional pain, serves an eternal purpose. A faithful parent is one who trusts that without allowing their own emotions to convince them otherwise. So, Ginger, when parents discipline, it demonstrates faithfulness to God and faithfulness to their children. What's the third reason why we discipline? Biblical discipline demonstrates love to our children. It's so easy for us to gravitate towards making excuses for not disciplining our kids. And probably the main reason, and I know we talked about this last week, is because we don't like to see them suffer consequences. We Mm. don't want to see them suffer in any way. We love our children, so enforcing consequences on them is a hard thing to do. It's unpleasant for them, and it's unpleasant for us. So our natural inclination is to avoid discipline at all cost. Thankfully, we serve a God who knows us so well. He knows every thought and every feeling we have, and He knows how hard disciplining our children is for us, which is why He gave us Hebrews 12, verse 11, to show that He understands why we want to avoid consequences, but also why it's important for us to embrace His plan for discipline. That verse says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. When disobedience is met with painful consequences, children learn the law of the harvest. They learn that God has built the principle of sowing and reaping into their worlds, and with that lesson comes wisdom to choose obedience. So why do we discipline? 
because we love our children and we know from God's word that discipline produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. I think that's the appeal of these parenting philosophies that fixate on positive or gentle parenting at the exclusion of God's full design for discipline. They aren't really painful for anyone, not for the children nor the parents, but God's word makes it really clear, especially in that verse you just read, Ginger, that godly discipline is painful rather than pleasant. Again, I want to state here that this sort of pain is not the same as abuse or ungodly, unbridled anger. So please don't hear what we aren't saying. Biblical discipline is never abusive, but it is described in God's word as painful, and that is significant. That's right, Katie. And that painful reminder to children of what happens when they don't heed God's commands to honor and obey their parents brings about wisdom, wisdom to make better choices, which brings about blessings in their lives. God promises blessings to children who choose to honor and obey Him by honoring and obeying their parents. As a matter of fact, God's command for children to honor their parents is the first command with a promise. And it's a beautiful promise. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3 say, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Eternal life with Jesus is a promise for our children to look forward to, but that promise to them is also for this life, for the here and now. It goes well for children and Beautiful blessings come to children who keep God's command to honor and obey their parents. And what parent doesn't want God's blessings in the lives of their children? Well, so Ginger, you've given us three reasons why we should discipline our children to demonstrate faithfulness to God, to demonstrate faithfulness to our children, and to show love toward our children. So what is the fourth and final reason you have for parents to discipline their children? Well, we just touched a little bit on that, but let's go deeper. Biblical discipline imparts wisdom to children. The connection of discipline with wisdom throughout Scripture is very important. The child who is not submitting to parental authority is acting foolishly. He is rejecting the jurisdiction of God. Discipline brings wisdom to the child. It humbles the heart of the child, and it drives out the foolishness that is bound up there. And then it replaces that foolishness with wisdom. The Bible explains it this way. The rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to himself disgraces his mother. So just to reiterate, God's balanced design for discipline drives the foolishness out of the hearts of our children and replaces that foolishness with wisdom. Therefore, it should never be disciplined without instruction. The whole purpose of discipline is to teach them the Word of God and how they have violated that Word. It's to teach them how to turn to Jesus for change. This is just a side note, but I find it interesting how much of the wisdom literature of the Bible is related to the relationship between children and their parents. It's almost like God knew we would need a whole lot of help and wisdom in this area of our (laughs) lives because it's hard. It really Mm -hmm. is. It is. Ginger, as you mentioned many times on this podcast, enforcing consequences for wrong behavior without teaching them right behavior for the right reasons can exasperate our children, provoke them to fear and anger, and not result in inward change. That's right, Katie. When parents administer discipline in love, 
along with the other commands for parents to train, instruct, and point their children to the rescuing help of Jesus day in and day out, they are not merely punishing their children. They are obeying the responsibility that God has given them. Discipline is somewhat of a mystery in how it works, but we can be confident that while we're obeying God by faithfully training, instructing, and disciplining our children, God is honoring our obedience, and He is working on the heart. So according to the Bible, If you're going to rescue your child from death, if you're going to uproot and drive the foolishness out of their heart, and if you're going to impart wisdom, you must discipline. The Bible says that if we love our children, we will discipline them. Proverbs 13, 24 says, whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Not abusive, but careful. We always have to pay attention to that word careful in that verse. Mm. I want to go back to one thing you just said, Ginger, because it's something I hadn't considered up to this point. And I think it's why some parents avoid biblical discipline, because it is a mystery. It can even seem counterintuitive sometimes that using the rod, as the Bible calls it, can actually soften a child's heart and deepen the intimacy between parents and their children when it's done biblically and with self-control. The mystery isn't whether or not God's word is clear on the subject of discipline. That's really clear. Rather, the mystery is in how God uses that for the good of his people and for his glory. But we humans don't do well with the mysterious parts of God's word. So we have a tendency to cherry pick those things which make sense and either misinterpret or outright reject the rest. I know we pick on Eve a lot, but her story is so relatable to all of us. All it took was for Satan to pose this question to her. Did God really say and then she was deceived. In that same way, parents who have embraced worldly forms of child training will often argue that the rod the Bible refers to is not related to consequences. They often don't advocate for any sort of negative discipline. Did God really say that the rod is punitive? Rather, they claim that the rod is more of a staff used to properly guide something or someone along the proper path or direction like a shepherd's crook being used to block the path of danger for sheep or for gently nudging him in another direction. I do want to state, though, that the rod, your rod and your staff, they comfort me, is mm-hmm. what the Bible says. The mm-hmm. rod and the staff, they're mm-hmm. not the same thing. That's so, right. Ginger, what would you say to that argument? Well, it's not my place to argue or defend the biblical use of the rod. The rod was God's command, not mine. But, and there's always a but, no pun intended. <laughs> According to Strong's Concordance, rod is from the Hebrew word shebet, and is literally a stick. In parentheses, it says for punishing, writing, fighting, ruling, walking, etc. If I were going to argue with someone about it, which I'm not, I would go straight to Scripture and say, if shebet could only mean a rod of guidance, we wouldn't have the command for it to be used as a consequence in Proverbs 23, 13, and 14. I know we mentioned those verses earlier, but allow me to read them again. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish them with a rod, they will not die. Punish punish them with a rod and save them from death. Clearly, the rod in these verses is intended for disciplining children. Ginger, I like to use the ESV Bible translation, and many of the Proverbs that refer to the rod describe it as a rod for striking Mm-hmm. that clearly has something other than gentle guidance in mind. I also find it interesting that withholding discipline is linked to death 
throughout Scripture. Just one example is Proverbs 19, 18. Discipline your son, for there is hope. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. That's a pretty shocking thing when you stop to think about it. So I really encourage parents who are torn on this subject to pray over some of these verses and ask God for wisdom to know how to understand them. Now, Ginger, I know we talked about this last week, but it bears repeating here. It is better for parents to refrain from physically disciplining their children for a season of time until they are able to do so biblically rather than to administer it in such a way that it violates God's commands for parents to discipline with love, gentleness, and self-control. That's right, Katie. Biblical discipline is not an angry, abusive, vengeful, or violent act of frustration. It is a self-controlled act of love. So if any of our listeners are unable to approach it in that way, I strongly encourage them to not do it until they're able to administer it in the way God intends. If I could just throw in a little side note here, something that came to my heart and my mind as I was preparing for this particular episode was that there's a reason that God gives us one another, especially moms and dads together. Mm-hmm. And it's really helpful to have a partner in life who can come with me to our children and we together discipline them in love. And that's a really important thing to do if you find yourself wanting to discipline in the moment, in the heat of the moment. If you are with your spouse or with another loving adult who can help you in this, it will remove that temptation to respond in anger and to lash out. I know that that accountability from my husband in situations like that is paramount. And so I, I really encourage parents who struggle with anger, their own anger, take take someone with you, not to embarrass the child in front of an audience, but you know another parent or grandparent, if another parent's not around, and do it that way. It will remove that temptation from the situation and also mm-hmm. pray before any discipline is administered with the mm-hmm. child. Oh, that's huge. That's huge. Pray that God would make your heart right if you feel that your motives are not good, if you feel that anger coming up in your heart, because we don't discipline because our children have made us mad or because they've inconvenienced us in some way. Right. Uh, we discipline them because we love them. And so it needs to be done in love. So if there is any anger or or a check in your heart that something might not be right in your heart, make sure you take it to the Lord. It's okay for you to go have some time out yourself. You know, mom needs a few minutes and then we'll come back and we'll address this and get off by yourself and pray that God would make your heart right. And then pray with your child before Mm -hmm. administering discipline. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, it removes the temptation to respond in anger. When I go to the Lord and I soften my heart, I humble myself before God, before administering discipline, he's faithful Mm -hmm. to remove me from the equation. And he does his work through me in those moments. Yeah. And that's a good word of encouragement, Katie, for our single parent listeners who may not be able to go uh, bring grandma or another family member in. God is our biggest accountability. When we talk to him and we ask him to change our hearts, He always answers our prayers, and He does that. So go to God, be accountable to the Lord, and ask Him to make your heart right before you go in and administer that discipline. Also, if any of our listeners are on the fence about whether or not they should use what the Bible refers to as the rod of correction for disciplining their children or for what ages it's appropriate, then please go back and listen to episode number 27 on disciplining young children. Just a little about that episode. We don't tell you what we think you should do. Uh, We take you to what God's Word says, 
about the physical active discipline so you can determine what that looks like for your family. Yeah, and that was a really helpful episode for a lot of parents who were unsure about administering biblical consequences or whether or not it's a loving thing to do. The bottom line is that God equates discipline with love. So when parents discipline in love, their children will equate discipline with love. That's exactly right. So, Ginger, we talked about the why of disciplining children from a biblical perspective, but what about the how? That's the question we get often, isn't it? It is. (laughs) Well, Katie, it just so happens that there is a book that thoroughly (laughs) and practically breaks down the how to biblically discipline children. I knew you were going to say that, Ginger, so I'm fully prepared with some handy information. For all our listeners out there who are looking for more answers when it comes to the physical act of biblical discipline and what God's Word actually has to say about it, I highly recommend that you order Ginger's book, Don't Make Me Count to Three. And It is a huge help to our ministry if you order that directly from Ginger on her website at gingerhubbard.com, and we'll tell you at the end of the show how you can get a discount on that resource. Ginger also has a six-week companion Bible study for the book. If you'd like to go into a deeper study on what the Bible says about parenting and specifically discipline, the six-week Bible study is a great resource for your personal quiet time to do with your spouse or as a group Bible study with others. And if you and your spouse are not on the same page when it comes to disciplining your children and one or both of you don't have time to read, we understand, uh, Ginger's three-session audio series called Reaching the Heart of Your Child covers the same information that's in the book. And this audio series is available in CD format as well as a digital download, which is super convenient because it can just be downloaded to any device. It's also easier on the wallet for our international listeners who don't want to pay outrageous shipping prices from the U.S. That's right. Now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents. Today's quick tip is courtesy of Karina in California, and she says this, struggle with being regular as far as digestion. (laughs) (laughs) This is suddenly sounding like a commercial. (laughs) Drink a glass of hot water right before bed. So quick, easy, and really helps. Okay, so this just took a turn for the middle-aged, but I have to weigh in here. (laughs) I'm really glad Karina sent this tip in because I hadn't even considered talking about my morning routine, and I'm sure you're all dying to know. But for the past several years, I mean, I'm thinking at least five to seven years or so, if memory serves, I have had hot water with fresh squeezed lemon juice and a dash of cayenne pepper every single morning before I eat or drink anything else. Hmm. It's super refreshing and nothing wakes me up like that does, not even (laughs) caffeine. Well, it's cayenne pepper. Well, there you go. (laughs) Google it if you want to find out all the great health benefits. But as Karina mentioned, I will vouch for the digestive health benefits. And that's all I have to say about that. (laughs) And we appreciate that, Katie. You're welcome. Uh, Ginger, tell us about your morning routine. I (laughs) don't really picture you sipping on lemon cayenne water. Am I right about that? Correct. But I'm actually considering it now because I'm I'm really not a huge coffee fan. Mm. But my sweet Ronnie is so funny. He brings me coffee in bed every morning anyway, even though he knows I'm not a huge coffee fan. And he reheats it several times throughout the course of the morning, for which I show my deep appreciation by taking three or four sips. My favorite thing, though, Katie, this is so sweet, uh, is that he kisses me every single time he brings the reheated cup. No, he is just, I'm a little bit spoiled. My parents tell me I went from spoiled to rotten when I married Ronnie. So apparently (laughs) there's a difference here in the South. You are rotten. And so am I. Because 
I, I have to say my my lemon water gets delivered to me as well. Oh, my, my very sweet husband. We are so uh, blessed. But I do think and Ronnie a little just, rotten. There we go. I just I think that Ronnie can't really take a hint, Ginger. <laughs> Ronnie, she doesn't like coffee. Let's find something else. It's like you could barely tell I've had any of it, and he's reheated it three or four times. That's so sweet. But I like the kiss. There you go. Well, if you have a quick tip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any random tip about cooking, housekeeping, something you do with your kids, ideas for fun date nights with your spouse, how to stay regular, anything at all. We would love to share your ideas on the podcast. Just go to gingerhubbard.com slash quick tips to submit those. Well, Ginger, while the topic of discipline is one that is fraught with controversy, I love that you're willing to tackle it head on and to walk us through what God's word has to say about it. Well, Katie, I absolutely could not do it without you. You always bring tremendous wisdom and insights to the table in every episode, and I appreciate all the prayer and time and study that you put in uh, to our time together each week to be able to encourage our listeners, and I know our listeners very much appreciate you as well. And speaking of our listeners, if you've tuned into this episode today and are just now realizing that you've bought in to some of the world's deceptive views on discipline, please don't be discouraged. God knew the timing of when you would hear this podcast, and His timing is always perfect. So don't beat yourself up. Tomorrow is a new day. God's mercies are new every morning, and great is His faithfulness. So start fresh and allow your mind to be transformed and renewed through the Holy Word of God. No matter where you are in your parenting or how many mistakes you may have made, be encouraged with Romans 12, verse 2, which says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good pleasing, and perfect will. Thank you so much, Ginger. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, could you leave us a rating or a review? This is a huge help to get the word out about our podcast so that many other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. Do you have a parenting question? Well, we invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode. While you're on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Not sure which resources to get? Well, good news. Today we're offering a bundle deal of all of Ginger's resources at a $25 discount. This includes her parenting books and study guides, two of which we mentioned in today's episode. It includes the Wise Words for Mom's chart, as well as the CD and digital download of her audio series called Reaching the Heart of Your Child. Listeners, this is a $95 value for just $70. And if you use the code parenting at genderhubbard.com, you can get an additional 10% off this already great deal. And remember, when you purchase Ginger's resources at genderhubbard.com, you're helping to support our ministry and this podcast. If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. And you can connect with me on Instagram at Katie in a corner. That's K-A-T-Y in a corner. Thank you so much for joining us today, listeners. We really look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God. 
can't really wrap my mind around why a man or a woman who reads the Bible faithfully and believes that it is the inspired Word of God would decide that they prefer a gentler or kindler Kindler. You know what? You actually had an L in there, I think, and I and I took the L out. Did so I? that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. I want that L, Ginger. Okay, let's try that again. It's also easier on the wallet for our international listeners who don't want to pay outrageous shipping prices from the US. We get it. Mm-hmm. End of scene. <laughs> What did we do? That's that's a little abrupt scene. (laughs) There's nothing left. I I was so into it. I didn't see the end of that paragraph. 